So today we're following on in our series of growing up. We've been looking at what does it look like to be a mature Christian. And today we're going to look at gratitude. And we're not going to just make it up off the top of our heads, but we're going to look at the Bible and what the Bible says um, about being a mature Christian, growing up as a Christian, and what that looks like with gratitude. So gratitude today, I'm going to look at the at being the quality of being grateful or feeling thankful. Ah, sorry, something falling. And, sorry, and thankful meaning expressing that gratitude. So I'm going to use those three terms, gratefulness, gratitude, and thankfulness interchangeably today. Um, So let's read from scripture, shall we? We're going to read from Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse 12 to verse 17 says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Shall we pray? So God, I pray that as we are looking into this scripture, Lord, I pray that what I have prepared today would be your word, Lord, and anything that is not of you would just fall away. But Lord Jesus, we pray that we would hear you today. Lord, I pray that you'd open our ears and our hearts to what you've got for each of us individually. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start with a story, and it's quite a, well, anyway, I'll tell you the story. It's a wee bit disgusting, but you'll be fine. So (laughs) I want to tell you something that happened to me about seven or eight years ago or something like that. I um, have my washing machine in my house in my basement. And one day I was doing my washing and I'd taken out the washing and hung it up and I went back to do another load of washing and thankfully I'd shut the washing machine door but the washing machine was somehow full of liquid again. And I was thinking, how is that? I've just done a wash. But anyway, I thought I'll just put the, you know how you put the wee drain thing on? So I put the drain on Um, not out the bottom of the machine, but just to drain and rinse it. And then I went to open it again, and it was stinking. I mean, it was disgusting. I was thinking, what is going on? And I was away to do my shopping, so I thought, I'll go and do my shopping, and I'll get some of that stuff, you know, you just rinse your washing machine out with. So I did that, and when I came back, it was full of water again, and I was thinking, what is going on here with my washing machine? And again, I tried to drain it, and it went down, and I opened the door, and it was stinking. But what I realized, to cut a very long story short, was that actually I have a sewer that runs under my house. And it shouldn't really be there. It should be outside my house, like everybody else's. But mine runs under my house. And when it overflowed, if something had backed up further down the road, it was coming into my washing machine. Now, that's what I mean. It's a disgusting story. And it was stinking. I mean, it was horrible. But the reality is I knew what had happened eventually because of the smell of it. If the water that had been in my washing machine was clear and rose-smelling, then I, you know, I would have thought it'd be something else. I don't know, maybe it just hadn't drained properly with all the 
washing powder and stuff. But it wasn't. Because what overflows out of something tells you a little bit about the source and where it's come from. And so we knew where it had come from because it was brown, it was smelly, it was disgusting. So why am I telling you that story? I'm talking about overflows. And a nicer overflow is that gratitude and thankfulness can be seen as an overflow. <laughs> yeah, good link, eh? A, a, an overflow of a humble heart. We can tell what's going on in the heart because what is overflowing. A heart, a humble heart that recognizes who God is, what he's done for each one of us, what he's sacrificed for us, what he's given to us. And the scripture that we read today, it says in verse 15, doesn't it? It says, be thankful. And then it talks about having gratitude in our hearts. But we to be thankful, but the few verses before it give us just a glimpse of what we can be thankful for. So much more that God has done. But in verse 12, it says, because we're God's people, it also says that we're dearly loved. In verse 13, it says that we're forgiven. And in verse 15, it says that we have been given God's peace. A mark of a mature Christian heart is one that is humble, that thanks God, thanks God for what he has done in our life. Doesn't take credit for ourselves, but also doesn't take granted for granted everything that God has done for us. And in verse 17, it says that we to give thanks and everything that we say and we do to our Father for what he's done. And we can see this in the life of Jesus as well. Jesus was often giving thanks to God, not taking the credit on himself or, 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 or obviously acting like he just did it off his own back, but he was always with a humble heart giving thanks to God. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he thanked God for hearing him and hearing his prayers. Um, he thanked God for revealing truths and mysteries. When he was telling stories and telling people what was going on, he thanked God for doing that, to revealing the mysteries and the truth in people's hearts. When he fed the 5,000 and, and when he fed the 4,000, he gave thanks as he broke that bread and that fish and distributed. He thanked God for his provision. And at the Last Supper, he thanked God also as he broke that bread and drank that wine with his, with his believers, his followers, teaching them to do the same. He gave thanks to God with a humble, humble heart. And you may have remembered that a few weeks ago, Dave Hall was speaking to us about um, humility and what that looks like. So I'm not going to go more into the humility, but I want to look at that thankfulness that overflows from a humble heart when we recognize what God has done. So as I've been preparing this this week, that has been the question that has been on my heart. What overflows from my heart? What is it that overflows? What is it that's coming out of my mouth and in my actions? Is it one of grumbling and complaining or is it one of thankfulness? And I want to pass that question on to you today. What is it that is overflowing from your heart? What is it that is coming out in your words and your deeds? Is it thankfulness for everything that God has done for you, everything that he is going to do for us. 71 times in the New Testament, the Bible mentions thankfulness or gratitude or gratefulness, and many, many more in the Old Testament. And I just did a wee synopsis of some of the things that the Bible says when it's talking about thankfulness. It talks about thankfulness should be offered to God, offered to Jesus, given through Jesus, given in the name of Jesus. And if you want a copy of all of these scriptures, and I, I can give you them, but it's too much to go through them all. And also, it says that we should be give thankfulness in our private worship, in public worship, in everything, for everything. 
when something great has been accomplished or when we're really struggling, that we see examples of thankfulness being given in response to God's mercy for the gifts of Jesus in times of uncertainty, in times of need, in times of distress, but also in times of triumph. There's verses about thankfulness for victory over death, when people have been saved, for God's closeness to us, when he feels so far away from us. We see many Psalms talking about thankfulness to God, even though he feels far away. For when we're really in need, or when we have received for our practical needs. Teachings about gratitude, about that it's for all people, that it's for all things, that thankfulness should be always accompanying prayer and always accompanying praise, and that we're to give thanks in all circumstances. And the thing that struck me as I was reading all of these verses about thankfulness was that it's not just for the good times. It's not just for the good times. It's for every time in our life, even the bad times. It says in verse 17 that whatever we're doing in word or deed, that we're to do it giving thanks to the Father through him. 1 Thessalonians 5 says that we're to give thanks in all circumstances. A couple of years ago, my husband, Anielle, and I had a miscarriage. And we lost our baby. And not only did we lose our baby, but at that time, we lost the hope of having our own biological children. And that was a really difficult time. How do we give God thanks for that? At the same time as us going through that, our friends, Hazel and Dave, they went through losing their three-month-old baby, little Evie Evangeline, three months old. How do we give thanks to God in circumstances like that. Right now, Anielle's mum is in hospital. Um, she is being fed through a drip in her nose. And um, she is no longer able to walk or talk. She's at the last stages of Alzheimer's. And she's in Brazil. And he is here. And he cannot get to see her. He probably won't get to see her before she passes. How do we give thanks to God in difficult circumstances. We can't just pretend they're not happening. And those are just snippets of my life and, and those around me. And you will have your own difficult times, your own times that you know you've really struggled that have been just the hardest things to go through. And you may be in the midst of that right now. And I want to look at two things that I believe God spoke to me this week about how we can do this. In Ephesians 5, let me read it out to you. Ephesians 5 Verse 18 to verse 20, it says this, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, when he's writing that letter to the Ephesians, he frames being filled with the Spirit in contrast to being filled with wine. Being filled with wine leading to nothing good, but being filled with the Spirit leading to so much stuff about singing hymns and psalms to the Lord and giving thanks to God. God doesn't give us this impossible thing that we have to give thanks in all circumstances and just leave us to it, but he gives us the help of his Holy Spirit, our helper and our comforter as we're filled with God's Spirit that brings us the ability and the hope to be able to thank God in even the worst circumstances. And I think another thing that can help us is to know that thankfulness is a muscle that can be strengthened. 
thankfulness is a muscle that can be strengthened. Um, I like snowboarding. I love snowboarding. I love the feeling when you're at the top of the hill with just the snow. I don't like people around, but usually there's people. <laughs> I usually wait till they've all gone. I love the feeling of just that open space with the snow and the silence. It's amazing. I love it. So anyway, I try and go snowboarding every year with friends. And a few years back, I went, um, as usual, and I really was struggling by the end of day one with my left ankle. Now, I, I board uh, regular, which means I board with my left foot forward, and I, and I need it to be strong. And anyway, it was really sore at the end of the day. Now, usually you get your aches and your pains after snowboarding because it's, it's quite a lot of hard work. So I put it on ice, put some pack on it, you know, gave it a rub the night before, uh, the night before I went the next day. The next day I got up, I was hobbling around a bit, was pretty sore. By day three, agony, absolute agony. I was having an ice buckets every time I came in for a break, um, but it was agony. And by the end of the week, I couldn't even move my foot. It was just solidly stuck. I was hobbling everywhere. I couldn't even fit my shoes on because it was so swollen. It was just awful. And I thought, well, maybe this is my snowboarding days over. I've done damage to my ankle. But when I came back to the UK, I went to see an osteopath and she did some work on it. Um, she did some amazing work on it and it started to get better. She said that it's just your muscle. It's not nothing else. There's nothing broken or anything like that. She did work on it week after week and it got better and I was able to walk on it fine. But she also gave me um, exercises that I could do. And when I was preparing for going the next year, not just um, packing everything that I need to do. I had been preparing for months because I was doing those exercises. I wanted to strengthen that muscle in the good times when there was no stress and pressure on my ankle from snowboarding every day. I wanted to get it well so that in that time it was strong enough to keep going through that week. And that's what happened. I'd strengthened it enough that I had the usual aches and pains, but nothing like before. And I did not have the same muscle damage that next year, I had strengthened it in the good times. So when the bad times and the stress and the pressure on that ankle, it was able to withstand. And I believe that is the same as gratefulness. It's like this muscle that in the good times, if we practice it, if we start to recognize every day what God has done for us, and when the times come and hard times hit, then it's already so strong that it can keep going through those times. I know this to be a fact for me because in our um, our times of staff weeks, uh, staff weeks, we have a every, every <laughs> sorry, we have a staff meeting every week is what I meant to say. And every week we have to share an encouragement or something that God has done that's been amazing. And at the beginning, it was quite difficult because I wasn't used to talking about those kind of things. But when you disciplined yourself to think every week of something that God has done and look for the good, the things that we're thankful for, the things that we recognize, because the reality is they're there. We just don't always recognize them. We sometimes look at the big picture instead of looking at the detail. But when we practice it on a daily basis, and some people do gratitude journals or whatever it might be, but as we do that, it becomes easier to recognize and we, get, we strengthen that muscle. I heard a story about Matthew Henry who wrote uh, a great commentary on the Bible in the 1600s. And he was robbed one day and he wrote this about being robbed. This was his reflections and he was thankful for being robbed for four reasons. He says that he was thankful, number one, that he'd never been robbed before. 
Number two, he was thankful that uh, although they took his wallet, they didn't take his life. He was thankful that although they took everything in his wallet, it wasn't much. And the fourth thing, he was thankful that he was the one that was robbed and not him that was doing the robbing. Now, I don't know for you, but I think I would find it hard to even think about thankfulness if I was being robbed. I would automatically go the other way. But this was a man who was mature in his faith, who had disciplined himself to be grateful and to be thankful in all circumstances. I told you about Hazel and Dave suffering that awful loss of their, their little girl, Evie. And Hazel and Dave, if you know them, um, you will know that they are a couple that have chosen thankfulness. And Hazel um, publicly has chosen it and, and put things on Facebook and she has thanked God for her three lovely children and thanked God for Evie. Although they miss her so dearly, they're still thankful to God and expressing that and choosing thankfulness. They're thankful to God for holding them close, for trust, for, for his trustworthiness in times of fear and anxiety and uncertainty that he has been there for them and with them through everything. And they're thankful for their family and their friends around them who have been able to walk this journey with them. They have chosen thankfulness. And Hazel, when I was asking permission to be able to talk about this today, she sent me a text and she said this. Let me read it out to you. She said, I know that I have lots to be thankful for. And it's helpful to keep that perspective. It doesn't take away the pain of what you've lost, but it keeps your heart in a better place. It keeps your heart in a better place. And that brings me to my third point. It's better for us. It does us good. It's not like God needs our gratitude, but it does us good. Um, I've got another story about a washing machine. Obviously, there in my head now. It's a new washing machine. I did replace it after the sewage incident. So just in case you thought that was a bit disgusting. I didn't just clean it. I, I got a new one. But anyway, a couple of years ago, I thought again my washing machine had broken. Clothes were coming out with kind of white clumps all over them. The drawer was getting all clogged up and getting a bit moldy. And it was weird because it wasn't happening all the time. And I thought it must have a problem pumping the water in. There's something wrong with this. It's not uh, dissolving stuff right. It's, not, it's just not working. And it was a mystery. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it wouldn't. Thankfully, I didn't go and buy a new one until I worked out what the problem was. It was no longer a mystery after one Saturday when I was in my basement, when I was watching Aniel putting in a washing. And I watched him from the pile of washing pick up three t-shirts and putting them in the washing machine. And along with those three t-shirts, he took three heaped cups <laughs> of powder. Three cups of powder for three t-shirts. That was the problem. Nothing to do with the washing machine. But Anya, bless him, he wanted his clothes to smell really good. So he thought that this was the way to do it. I love my husband dearly. And uh, he's probably laughing at me sharing this story. I did get his permission as well. But he put in this much. Now, I knew there and then what the problem was. Because if we want our washing machine to work well, we work it with the manufacturer's instructions and also the powder. And both those instructions say not to overload it with powder. If we want the best out of something, we use it with the manufacturer's instructions. Now, I'm not saying we're products because we're not products, but we are created. We're created by our loving 
amazing God who knows us best and he knows what is best for us. Now, he didn't put all of these verses of thankfulness and gratefulness and, and telling us to be thankful and grateful for fun. He did it because he knows, just as Hazel says, that it makes our hearts better. It keeps us in a better place. And not only do we know that from scripture, but we know it because science backs it up. There's so much evidence. And I won't go through every single study, but I'm going to just um, give you a synopsis of them. If you want the individual studies from me, you can contact me later. But psychologists have done lots of research on this. And they have found that choosing gratitude over self-pity and grumbling has proven health benefits. Psychological benefits, physical benefits, social benefits. And here is just a few. The psychological benefits would be that we feel more positive emotions. We have increased self-esteem. We can have reduced aggression and enhanced mood. It's almost for some like taking a natural antidepressant. Some of the practical physical benefits would be that we have a stronger immune system. It can lead to less aches and pains, optimum blood pressure. Our hearts can work better and we sleep better. And our social benefits are that we appreciate each other a lot more when we take time to choose thankfulness. We have stronger relationships. People like being around us better. We have more empathy and we're selfless. It's like our creator created us to be thankful and that he did. When we follow his instructions, then we're just so much better in our hearts and our heads and our bodies. We're made to be thankful. In the New Testament, in the book of Luke, um, we, we hear a story where Jesus came across 10 men with leprosy. And this is an awful disease, one that is really disfiguring, one where it's got awful um, repercussions for those that are suffering with it. They had to stay away from their work, their families, their loved ones, everything. They were cast out. They had to shout unclean when they were on the streets so that everybody knew to stay away from them. And they called out to Jesus and they said, have pity on us. And to cut a long story short, you can read it yourself in the book of Luke, Luke 17. But Jesus told them all off to go off to the priest um, and that they would be healed. And they were, all 10 were healed. And one of them, just one out of the 10, came back to Jesus to give thanks and recognized that what he'd done, only one came back to Jesus. And Jesus said to that man, he said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, all 10 of them had had healing and not just the physical healing, but the immense um, change that would have been that they could be with their families again, they could work again. They didn't have to shout unclean. They would have been um, part of a community again. All of them had had that, but this man got something more. His thankfulness unlocked something more. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Now, those other words um, that he used earlier about healing were like talking about repairing or um, taking out impurities. But this word that was used made you well. In some translations, it says whole. It made you whole. In some translations, it says saved. But when you look at the Greek, the word actually means it's been saved or rescued or delivered. He found God, he was delivered from something more than just his physical illness, but actually it brought him into relationship. He recognized God and, and, and it made him whole. He was saved. Now, if you're a Christian today watching this, then that's 
if you're like me and like all of us, that's where our journey began. It's about recognition of who God is and thanking him for sending his son Jesus to die for us and thanking him, receiving that and entering into relationship that will last for eternity, that washes our sin away from us. That is when we come to meet with God, that we are saved and we are made whole. We are made well. And if you're not a Christian, that is still open to you. Ten men were healed. God has pity on every single one of us. He has mercy for every one of us. But not all will receive everything he's done. And if you're not a Christian today, the invitation is there for you also. Will you come to God and thank him for everything that he has done? Will you recognize who he is? and enter into that relationship with them. You know, being thankful and giving praise to Jesus is what we're created to do. It's the key to a sweet, intimate, growing relationship with Jesus, and it brings us joy and peace like we can know, like know from nowhere else. It doesn't come from anywhere else, but from God's spirit within. Let's pray. God, we thank you for everything that you've done. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize the detail of everything that you're doing in our lives, that you have done in our lives, God, and yet you'd help us to choose thankfulness and to come to you in relationship and give you praise and give you thanks like we're created to do. For those that are really struggling in difficult times, God, would you help them would you help them at this time, Lord, to choose thankfulness? Lord, it doesn't take away the pain of what we're going through, but you walking alongside us certainly makes the journey a lot better. So Lord, would you draw alongside all of those that are struggling this morning? Help us all to choose thankfulness. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Caroline, for such a a good message.